has gone well so far, sort of a short week. I don't know about your week, but when I have short weeks like this, it feels like there's five days of work compacted into four. So I'm not sure how much I like them. It's sort of nice to have Monday off, but uh, boy, it really makes the rest of the week intense. Next week will be just like that with the Holy Day, so get ready. Okay, today uh, I'd like to give you, I'd actually like to pick up where Mr. Weston left off last week. He gave you different pieces of wisdom, different things to think about, different things to focus on. And what I'd like to do today is to give you some nuggets of wisdom for success with living education and beyond. And that's actually my title, so I'll repeat it for those of you who aren't giving notes. Uh, nuggets of wisdom for success living education and beyond. Anyway, I don't like that one with the title, but you need to do what you need to do. So as we start, let me just ask you, what have you been learning so far with living education? This is rhetorical, by the way. Um, what, what are some of the things you've been learning? What have you been observing? What kind of experiences have you learned from so far? You've been here going on a month. Time is going quickly. What do you think you've done well so far? Sort of looking at your performance, looking at your life, the sort of new life you're setting up with these new parameters. What have you done well so far? What, going forward, do you want to change and adjust and tweak and make even better? What I'd like to do with you this morning is to review a few actions that you can take to continue to set the good examples that you are and to continue to set great example after you leave here in about eight months. When we got here, we talked about nine months. Well, there's about eight months left because time is ticking. The clock is moving forward. These actions that I want to talk about are some of the true values that we want you to recapture while you're here or that we want you to hone in on or, or make even more of a, a, an important issue in your life. My comments today are meant as words of encouragement and admonition, uh, words to the wise. I'm not corrective at all, but words to the wise. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1, as we sort of set the stage here. Proverbs is one of those books that, when I was growing up, my dad used to encourage my brother and I to read all the time. Family Bible studies, usually the family Bible studies focus on the Proverbs. Wise words from Solomon and others. And we want to dig into that a little bit. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20, one of my favorite uh, Proverbs. It says, Wisdom calls aloud outside. If you're reading in the, in the King James Version or perhaps some of the other uh, more exact versions. Uh, it might say, wisdom cries aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses. At the openings of the gates in the city, she speaks her words. And this is, this is so true when we think about it. Wisdom is everywhere. Wisdom is on the tongue of lots of different people, converted or unconverted. I've met a lot of really wise, unconverted people over the years. My father-in-law was one of them, a very practical man. Uh, his level of conversion was equal with that of a rock. 
God didn't call him. He wasn't converted. But life had taught him a lot of lessons, and he learned from many of those lessons. So this concept of wisdom being everywhere should really motivate us and drive us and help us to be thinking and watching and listening for wisdom as it comes out of people and situations. Let's look at another proverb, Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs 4 and verse 5. We'll read the next couple verses. It says, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, that is wisdom, and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all of your getting, get understanding. It's interesting the way Solomon here personifies wisdom. It makes her into a woman or a person of value, somebody you want to seek after. And that's an important perspective as we think about becoming more like God. God is all wise. And we, we want to be aiming in that direction for ourselves, to learn, to gain wisdom and understanding. Proverbs 8. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 11. It says, For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things one may desire cannot compare with her. So just here, here's one of the richest men that our richest people who ever lived. Solomon had everything. Yet he's comparing wisdom with rubies, which are, are really actually uh, sort of rare. <clears throat> and he's saying you, you need to seek after it. And if it's rare, you hold on to it. You don't get rid of it. You, you, you keep it with you. So as we go through the, the uh, assembly this morning, I want to do it with that kind of a perspective, uh, encouraging you to, as you take these actions I'm going to encourage you to take, do it in the, in, under the guise of looking for wisdom, looking for understanding, looking to grow yourself, your mind, your perspectives. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Another familiar scripture here, one that we sing a hymn with oftentimes. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20, just a reminder of who we are. Now we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God or be made right with God. But the idea of being ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Uh, Mr. Weston talked last week and he he made the point pretty emphatically that you guys are, you represent living education to the church. So when they, when they look at you, knowing that you're part of living education, Mr. Uh, <clears throat> McNair mentioned wanting to find out who is going to what feast sites because you may have some tasks for you to do at the feast site in terms of a representative of living education. Yeah, you are. You are a representative of living education and a representative headquarters as you go out from here. Now, it might be a weighty thing. Oh, I don't want to be a representative. I just want to be me. But you've got an opportunity to set a neat example and, and to bring the right kind of um, scrutiny, the right kind of focus from God's people on the program here, on headquarters, 
and on the church in general. <clears throat> so what we're going to talk about today, the actions I'm going to give you are going to be helpful to you, I think, in seeking wisdom, in gaining wisdom, becoming even wiser. I think you all have a good amount of wisdom already, and you're, you're, you're coming here to build that. But also, what we'll talk about will help you uh, continue to be good examples as you go forward from here, perhaps even be better examples. You're already setting wonderful examples while you're here. I really appreciate Mr. Weston praised you last week. I, I want to follow that. I appreciate the examples you set, the way you dress while you're here, the way you interact with people. Uh, even made certain comments in class, a pa passing comment last week about sit in a different place in the classroom, get to know different people, don't be in the same spot all the time. It lends to better discussions with mixed people, and uh, you, you all did it. So I really appreciate that. Okay, let me give you some points here, some actions that you can take to become even wiser, taking advantage of the opportunities you have here, and set an even better example, or continue setting a good example. Action number one. And I, again, as I give you these, let me just couch it in, remember where you are. You're in Charlotte. You're at the headquarters of God's work right now. I know you know that. Uh, some of you who've sort of grown up here can probably take that for granted because you're, you've been here all the time. Uh, but remember where you are in the fact that you won't always be here. So you need to take advantage while you are here. Point number one, action number one is... I want to encourage you to fellowship broadly and get to know lots of people in the Charlotte congregation. Get to know lots of people in the Charlotte congregation. And this is sort of a no-brainer. I think you all are beginning to do that. So, again, not correction, but encouragement to keep going in the direction you're going in. Hebrews chapter 10 gives us a simple principle related to that. And as you turn to Hebrews chapter 10... Uh, just an anecdote here. It's amazing sometimes how people, some people don't push themselves to get to know other people in their own congregations. I remember one congregation I pastored years ago. There were only about 20 people in the congregation in the low 20s. As the pastor, I was only there once every three or four weeks. Uh, but I made it a point, we made it a point as a family to get to know everybody's names and, and get to know them. Because if we didn't know them, being there very infrequently, we would never develop a relationship with them. What I was surprised by is there were people in that congregation who'd been there for years who didn't even know everyone's name in the congregation. I have a congregation of about 20 people. That's not much big, that's, that's the size of our room here. There's just about 20 of us in here today. Could you imagine? Being with everybody every week on the Sabbath for years and not knowing everybody's name, I can't even fathom how you begin to do that. Uh, but it does happen from time to time. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. Let, not, let us not consider one another, excuse me, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting or encouraging one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. So we just, we see Paul's admonition to the church here. <laughs> don't forsake it, don't take it for granted, your opportunity to get together with each other, especially on the Sabbath. Um, and, and take the time to stir each other up to love and good works. 
And that's one of the blessings of fellowship. Relationships with other people, as you know, are important. So I just want to encourage you to keep taking the time to get to know other people, to set that example of outgoing love and concern. Think about it. As you sit down with someone and you listen to, in some cases, their problems or their trials, think about what kind of an opportunity that is to encourage them, to lift them up. I make this point about getting to know others in the congregation um, to encourage you to avoid a trap that you could fall into. I don't think you have. But we we can easily get stuck in an L.E. rut if we're not careful, even in a congregation of 230 people, where you guys are used to fellowshipping with each other all week long. And to, to know each other, you guys get along pretty well. And it's comfortable to be with each other. And if we're not careful, we can fellowship with each other and not fellowship with the greater congregation. So just want to encourage you to, to keep pushing yourself to do that. Uh, you've been admonished to, uh, gentlemen, uh, have a date for services. Uh, I think it's an excellent, excellent admonition. Uh, it's good for guys and ladies. When you sit with your date at services, I encourage you to sit amongst the congregation, not necessarily in an LE group. But sit next to the Ameses, or, or sit next to the Wakefields, or sit next to the Griffins, or sit next to some of the other brethren, so that you're, you're part of the congregation. Again, this isn't correction at all, just encouragement to, to, to mix with God's people at services and take advantage of getting to know them. There's some amazing people in the congregation here. And they have some pretty interesting stories as you get to know them. Some of them have come come out of Baptist or Pentecostal backgrounds. If you're not from the South, you don't have a lot of exposure to that religious persuasion, those religious persuasions. To find out how people came into the truth, how they they made their way in. Some of these brethren um, had mates that attended for decades and then came in later. Some of them have some pretty interesting stories. They've served in the military. They've, they've done different things. Think about it. The relationships we build today, and not just here in Charlotte, are relationships that will continue forward for eternity. So the friendships we begin to make at this point in our lives, we're going to have forever to build on. But starting them is really important. I mean, uh, had a conversation with a, a former living uh, university student this week uh, who spent a couple of years here and had a major health trial in the family this week and he actually posted on the Charlotte members website a prayer request related to a health trial going on in the family. And he doesn't live here anymore, but he felt very comfortable to post that prayer request on the website because of all the people he was able to get to know while he was here in Charlotte for the couple years that he was here. The neat thing about pushing yourself to get to know lots of people in the congregation is it's a habit you get into. Some of you already have that habit, so this will just reinforce it. But you'll take that habit with you when you leave. And you'll go back to your local congregation, which you may or may not be in four years ahead. You may move to another congregation. But that opportunity to, to get to know other people in the congregation is important for you, and it's important for them. <clears throat> because if we're not careful, 
we could actually set the precedent of the congregation where all those living education students stick to themselves and they, they don't mix with the rest of the congregation. We're not doing that. Uh, and we don't want that to happen either. We're going to set that good example. Okay. That's point number one. Just encouraging you, fellowship broadly. Get to know lots of people in the local congregation. That will serve you well now and into the future. Action number two. Again, thinking about how you are here. And you're not always going to be here and have the opportunities and the access you have here. Action number two, get to know the leaders while you're here. <clears throat> get to know the leaders. You see them all the time. Yeah, most of them, all the time. You walk past them in the building. Um, many of the men will uh, present to you in the assemblies that you experience. But you don't necessarily get to know them in those settings. We've had some large, and we have some large group gatherings. Uh, the Friday night meals are a really neat opportunity to start a relationship. But again, it's a big group. It's hard to really get to know somebody in those kinds of settings. We have evangelists here. We have ministers here. We have evangelist wives here, many of them, including Mrs. Dorothy McNair, Mrs. O'Gwynn, Mrs. Weston, Mrs. Ames, lots of other ministers' wives. I encourage you to get to know them while you're here. And here's a, here's a tip or a suggestion for how to do that. Maybe consider taking, as a small group, get, get two or three or four of you together, and consider taking some of these people out to lunch, or even meeting them here for lunch. In, uh, maybe over lunch hour, meet in the uh, classroom when it's not being used. Or when the weather cools down slightly, uh, sit on the picnic table back behind the building. Everybody can pack a lunch. But to get three or four of you with one of these leaders, male, female leaders, um, just to get to know them better, meet somebody for coffee. It doesn't have to be expensive. But take advantage of the opportunity to get to know some of these people while you're some of them are aging and won't be here for a lot longer. Uh, others, you're, you're going to be gone from this setting. And if you can take advantage while you're here, uh, you'll really appreciate it. Ephesians 5, 15, and 16. We can turn there again. Ephesians 5, 15. Again, it says, See that you walk circumspectly, thoughtfully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. We're busy here. You're busy. You've got class every morning. You've got work in the afternoons or in the evenings. Uh, lots of activities. Friday night meals. Uh, clubs from time to time. And other activities that are going on. Making the time to do this can be a challenge. But my guess is if you're able to make time to do this once in a while, you won't look back on it and say, boy, I, I, I wasted time getting to know uh, Mrs. O'Gwynn while I was here. Or I wasted time getting to know Mr. Ame while I was here or something like that. You know, you'll look back on it and say, boy, I'm glad I did that while I had the opportunity. So number two, action number two, get to know the leaders. Just a tip, piece of wisdom for you to consider applying. Sometimes it's sitting with people that serve, or sitting, you can't sit in the same aisle 
as them at services, and then after services, you wind up in a discussion with them, because hopefully you talk to the people next to you after services. Uh, it could be sitting down for a snack with some of these people. Just different ways that you can think about doing this. Okay, action number three. This is a true value that once was a very common true value, certainly in the church, but even in society here. Yet it's one that is not quite so common anymore. And again, this isn't correction. This is probably encouraging you to do much of what you do, whether you do it intentionally or not. Action number three is to avoid the appearance of evil. Another nugget of wisdom. <clears throat> it's amazing to me how how uncommon this wisdom is in society today, sometimes even in the church. 1 Thessalonians 5. Let's turn back there. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 22. Now, the New King James says, abstain from every form of evil. Uh, I think the King James actually has it in a more helpful way. King James says, actually anyone reading from the King James? What does your King James say? It says abstain from all appearance of evil. Oh, and that's the King James version. Yes, you're right. Abstain from every form of evil. Anyone reading from the old King James? Anybody know? How about another translation? NASB, NIV. Everybody's got that. Okay. What does the old King James say? Some of you older people in the room. Remember? Avoid the appearance of evil. Avoid the appearance of evil. And I, to me, I think that's a little more helpful. Certainly we should abstain from every form of evil. But even the appearance, what does it mean? And you can respond to this. What does it mean? What is the appearance of evil? How would you define that? How would you describe it? Jake? Uh, <clears throat> probably uh, the presentation of, of something that doesn't look good, whether or not it is or isn't. You know, it's just the um, the first thing that you see. It doesn't it doesn't look right, regardless of what the actual action is being taken. Yes. Yeah. Excellent definition. Can you give somebody give an example of something that might be okay but might not look right? Well, well, like the rule we have for the guys and girls' houses. I know. Jesse had to go put something in the oven, but she took someone with her so that it wasn't just her and whichever guy happened to be home. Yeah. And was that because whatever guy happened to be home is really dangerous and you, you shouldn't be around him? No, right? We, we don't create that kind of a house rule because we don't trust you. In fact, we do trust you, and that's why you're here. If we did trust you, you wouldn't be here. Why do we create those rules? Because it... it teaches us to, to be thinking more than anything else of what something could look like. Certainly, it doesn't give Satan the opportunity to cause problems. Uh, you don't put yourself in a situation uh, with um, someone of the opposite sex by yourself alone. And if 
you don't do that, then there's not opportunity for anything wrong to go on. But just avoiding the appearance of what something might look like. And you'd have the same rule, actually, for the ministry. Ministers know that you're not supposed to visit a woman if she's by herself, and you're by yourself. Uh, if you do, for some reason, have to do that, you do it in a very public place. Or you bring somebody with you, your wife or an another man, so that there's always an odd number of people there, uh, another adult. Uh, it just avoids any kind of appearance of problems, and it doesn't set you up for a problem down the line. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good example. <clears throat> but we can give appearances of evil in other ways, too, uh, besides just the, the idea with opposite sexes. Any other examples you can think of, Katie? So if you're in class and you have earphones in or something, but you don't have music playing, regardless, if you're not, you don't have music playing, it still has the appearance and kind of disrespectful. It could, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's, a, that's a good example. Um, give you a couple other ones. Uh, years ago, when I had the opportunity to serve in the Caribbean, I traveled by myself a lot. Kids were small, my wife stayed home to keep an eye on them. I would stay, um, a couple of places I stayed, I'd, I'd stay by myself in a motel. And one of the rules I created for myself is I just didn't go out of the hotel after dark. Number one, because it wasn't safe in most of the places I went to. But number two, I just, I didn't want to set a precedent, to set an example that could be misconstrued by people who were not in the church or by people who were in the church. Um, <clears throat> another example uh, is different parties that we can maybe go to with friends. And in, in many cases, they're fine. Uh, but if there's going to be alcohol served at parties, We've got to be really, really careful because there could be too much drinking, there could be underage drinking, and you might be a saint, if you will, uh, with air quotes around it. We're called to be saints anyway. But you, you might set the right kind of example and do absolutely nothing wrong, but if people around you are doing wrong things, there's something that's called guilt by association. Your reputation, our reputation, can be tainted by the people we're around. There was a Apparently, this last weekend or so, there was a big party in the church up in Canada. Some of you may know about. And <laughs> people were being encouraged to bring designated drivers to this party. Is that a good party to go to? Obviously not, right? Because even if you go there and you're of legal age and you have, a, have one drink, there's a lot of not good things going on. So avoiding the appearance of evil is a, a really good thing to do and will never backfire on you. You just have to be thinking ahead, ask, learning to ask yourself questions like, okay, if I do this, how might it look to other people? Like what Jake was talking about a minute ago. If I do this, how might other people <coughs> interpret my actions or <coughs> interpret uh, what they see? It's important to not lead people astray. We can actually lead people to think we're sinning if we're not careful, even if we're not, if we're not careful with the actions that we take. <clears throat> so just something important to continue to keep in mind uh, is as you make decisions in your life here and going forward, even at the feast, 
you have opportunities at the beach to do all kinds of things. Always be asking yourself, okay, I just want to make sure, God, help me, um, help me avoid the appearance of evil. Is there anything I need to think about in regards to this kind of a decision? Give you one more action <coughs> that you can take. Again, in terms of growing in wisdom, making wise decisions, setting uh, good examples. And I'll say this again with regard to the fact that you're here at headquarters. You're in a big congregation. There's a lot of opportunity. Uh, and probably on a, and a lot of people live close together. A lot of our congregations, as most of you know, out in the field, you might have a few people that live closer to a local congregation meeting place. But we're scattered, scattered all over the place. In some cases, hours of driving takes place. There may be hours between different brethren, whereas here you have minutes between many brethren. So number four, <clears throat> relating to the congregation, is look for opportunities to serve in the local congregation. Look for opportunities to serve in the local congregation. And there will be special ones here, again, because people are so close in proximity. And because we're so large, there's just more opportunity to serve. Uh, and when I say serve, I'm, I'm thinking of serving people. Um, you certainly can serve in the congregation on the Sabbath, but I'm thinking of serving people individually as well. Acts 20. We've got a couple of scriptures that relate to service. Acts chapter 20. And verse 35. I'm going to focus in on the second part of this verse, uh, which is the words of Christ. Verse 35, it says, I've shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so you, you guys know that. I just want to reinforce that principle of, of giving and serving. Matthew chapter 20. Matthew 20 is... Christ again, Christ's own example. And it's, it's a passage you're familiar with. Matthew 20, verses 26 through 28. Matthew 20, 26. Um, Christ's talking in verse 25 about how the, the uh, rulers of the people, rulers of the Gentiles, lorded over them, and he says it shouldn't happen. Verse 26, it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man, God in the flesh, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So obviously Christ gave the, the paramount example for us of service. Here he is the one who made all these human beings, and he came to serve them. So as we think about a local congregation, you're thinking in your mind, what are different ways I can serve? And I, I'm going to give you a couple examples that you can think of. <clears throat> this will be actually easier to do if you implement, and keep implementing point one that we talked about, getting to know more people in the congregation. Because the more you know people, the more you know what's going on in their lives, and the more you know about their needs. Oftentimes, the service opportunities I've had in local congregations, including this one, have happened 
not because something was announced, but because I was having a conversation with someone, and I learned about this event that was happening in their life or this kind of a situation. With a congregation this big, there's frequently moving that's going on. People moving from one location to another. Uh, oftentimes just in the area or maybe packing a truck. But there are opportunities to help people by helping them move. Uh, there's a couple that moved this last weekend. There, there will be people moving in the future. Usually it's on a Sunday. <clears throat> so you might want to keep your ear to the ground and look for opportunities to help. Not always is it, it's, it's actually not usually an all-day thing. In most cases, you're helping people just for a few hours. And it's okay if they're going to move all day and you show up just for a few hours. Because you do have other things to balance, don't you? You have this thing called school and studying. And you have really mean instructors. Some of them have assignments due on the weekend, the Sundays. <clears throat> there are other things that go on on Sundays, too. And sometimes to serve on a Sunday, you might have to give up an opportunity on a Sunday and not play Frisbee or not play it for quite as long, or get there late, or something like that. But moving is one thing that happens around the area. Another thing that we do have in a congregation this big, with plenty of older people, uh, and especially in Satan's world where people get sick, is there are hospitalizations that happen frequently. There are frequently people in the hospital. And there are opportunities to make a hospital visit. You just go see somebody. You don't necessarily have to do that by yourself, although you can't even get a buddy to go with you, a friend. And go visit someone in the hospital for 30 or 40 minutes. Typically those visits aren't real long, depends on how the person's feeling. But you can really encourage someone when they're in the hospital. Some of those hospital situations are announced from services. Sometimes um, they're sent out in an email to the local congregation. And other times you just hear about them through those conversations with brethren. But I'll tell you what, I don't know if you've ever been in a hospital and been, been visited by people or, or visited people at the hospital. It's a very interesting situation because very few people are going to say, come visit me at the hospital. Um, come look at me while I don't have my makeup on or my hair fixed or while I've got four days of stubble on my face and I have this drafty gown on in the hospital bed. But I'll tell you, some of the neatest relationships I've had with brethren have actually been made far better by visiting them in hospitals. You show up when they're vulnerable, uh, when they need some encouragement, they need a break from just people serving them, coming in and out, sticking things in their arms and in their legs and taking their temperature and changing the trash and all of these other things that happen in hospitals. They need a break from the television that's just going and going and going. Uh, they need some encouragement. And you can really make some neat connections. There's a, a man who was in the congregation here <coughs> several years ago. And I think our close, he and I developed a really close relationship. Uh, and some of you remember him, Mr. Brenniger. But we developed a really close relationship that really had a catalyst in the hospital. He was in the hospital years ago. He had broken his back. And I went and just visited him several times while he was in the hospital. And our relationship grew from that point in time. 
And it led to having him over to our house, going out to dinner with him, um, doing things for him at his home, uh, led to opportunities for Moody University students to serve him at his home, because he was older and couldn't get around real well. But it was all triggered by visiting him in the hospital. And the way he perceived me because I was willing to go visit him. So look for some of those opportunities. There are other things you can do to serve people in the local congregation. In some cases, older people need help mowing the lawn or literally changing light bulbs. You get to a certain stage in life and you don't have the balance that you used to have. And so literally getting up on a, a small ladder to change a light bulb is, is dangerous. And just being able to do that for someone actually can be a really big service. Uh, most people don't, older people don't like to ask for help with that because they're admitting that I can't do this for myself anymore. But as you get to know them, they get comfortable with you, opportunities spring out. Opportunities to love, to serve, to build even better relationships that again, you'll have for now in this life, but you're gonna take those relationships into eternity, which is really exciting to think about. We are members of the God family one day, and there's millions and billions of us. We'll have connections with certain people because of the relationships we started in this life, which is really sort of exciting to think about. So, I'm actually going to wind this down. We've talked about a few different actions that you can take or continue taking. I think a lot of you really are trying to do these things already. And so, Kudos to you. Good job. Keep up the good work. We've talked about fellowshipping widely, getting to know lots of people in the local congregation. We've talked about getting to know leaders in the local congregation, the, the ministers and wives and others who are service-oriented, they're servants, but they've got a wealth of experience and a wealth of wisdom that you can tap by getting to know them, by asking them questions, by getting them talking. We've talked, number three, about avoiding the appearance of evil. Again, I encourage you to keep up the good work in doing that and making that even more of just the way you think before you make a decision to, to do something. Okay, what is this going, how is this going to appear to others? And then number four, look for opportunities to serve in the local congregation. These are all nuggets of wisdom. They're actions that are going to benefit you immensely while you're here. But there are actions that, and habits you can get into that will benefit you in the future. They'll benefit you in the future. But think about, too, what your plans are. Most of you uh, shared with me, I, I read your goals. Uh, I think just about all of you mentioned wanting to uh, get married and have a family one day. Think about how, as you build these habits, those habits can benefit a family. Benefit your, your husband or your wife as you bring them into a marriage. Benefit your children as you raise your own children someday to pass on these nuggets of wisdom. So keep up the good work. Look for these opportunities. Take advantage of these opportunities. Seize the day. Take advantage of them while they're here because several of these opportunities, at least here in the local congregation, are going to be gone in about eight months. And again, you won't look back if you do them thinking, oh, I, sh I wasted time, you're going to look back and say, boy, I'm sure glad I did it. Hope you have a good rest of the day.
hope it's a productive afternoon, and I look forward to seeing you in class tomorrow morning and hearing seven speeches.